If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everybody, to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin, and BJ is not here this week. Uh, he's had some family emergency issues come up. Uh, he's fine. His wife is fine, but uh, they just had to deal with some family stuff, so he was unable to record this week. But we wanted to keep the Dragon Quest Seven deep dive rolling. And so today's episode, it's still a deep dive into Dragon Quest Seven, but it's looking at the legacy left behind by Dragon Warrior Seven on the PS1. This episode, it's going to run a bit more like my other podcast, JRPGs and Me. Uh, so if you like it, then give my other podcast a listen too. Like I usually do on that podcast, before we get too far into discussing Dragon Warrior 7, I want to talk first about facts, and over on JRPGs and Me, I call them first facts. Dragon Warrior 7 released on the PS1 in 2000. It was developed by Art Piazza and Heartbeat Studio and published by Enix. Now, Art Piazza has a really long history with Dragon Quest, starting with the Super Famicom version of Dragon Quest 3, and then going all the way to handling the 2D mode for Dragon Quest 11s. So if you've enjoyed any of the DS DQ games or the 2D mode in DQ 11, then you have Art Piazza to thank for that. Heartbeat's history with Dragon Quest is a little more complicated than that. I've talked about this a bit on the Daily Quarantine cast on our DQFM Patreon page, but basically Heartbeat, it handled Dragon Quest VI, Dragon Quest Three on Super Famicom, and then handled the PS1 versions of Dragon Quest IV and Dragon Quest Seven, And they didn't end on the best terms with Enix after DQ7. They were partially blamed for the poor, outdated-looking graphics, the long development time. Uh, it's the main reason Dragon Quest IV on PS1 was scrapped over here in the States. I mentioned this also in an earlier episode of this podcast, but some of the folks who started working at Heartbeat, once Heartbeat disbanded, uh, they went on to start up Genius Sonority, and they've made some pretty popular Pokemon spinoffs since then. As usual, Koichi Sugiyama handled the music for the game. Yuji Hori served as co-writer and game designer. Although I did want to mention, it's worth noting that Dragon Quest VII is one of the few Dragon Quest games, along with Dragon Quest XI, where another artist gets a credit in the game alongside Toriyama. In Dragon Warrior VII, uh, this was Shintaro Majima, who served as art director uh, on that game and who served as art director for like about half the Dragon Quest games. Uh, if you've played many of the Dragon Quest games at all, then the name Shintaro Majima will probably uh, look familiar to you if it doesn't sound familiar to you, because honestly, I may be mispronouncing it. The game, it was directed by Manabu Yamana, who's also directed other Dragon Warrior games and several Pokemon spinoffs. So if this were JRPGs of me, this would be the part where 
we ask, what's it all about, Austin? And that's me, Austin. So I'm going to tell you what it's about. Usually, this is the part of the show where I do all of that. But since this is a deep dive and a planned series of deep dives for Dragon Quest Seven. And Dragon Warrior 7 story isn't really all that different from Dragon Quest 7 on the 3DS. I'm going to basically give you all a nice TLDR for this section. So the story, it goes like this. A fisherman's son and his friends go back in time a bunch and solve problems related to the present. And doing that, it makes islands appear in the present and ultimately brings them face to face with God and a super being who wants to kill God. It's like the epitome of deistic JRPGs. It's also easily a 100-hour game. So if it seems like I skimmed over some of the good stuff, then be sure to listen to our past and future Dragon Quest VII deep dive episodes. See, it all it all is time travel. It all relates. So here's some of my personal experiences with Dragon Warrior Seven. I started Dragon Warrior Seven for the first time after I'd already beaten. Dragon Quest 7 on 3DS twice. So I may be a little biased here, but I think Dragon Warrior 7 still holds up pretty well and it loads a bit faster if you play it on a backwards compatible PS3, like I did. So it kind of cuts into your total playtime that way. There are a number of changes you'll notice in playing Dragon Warrior 7 versus the 3DS version of Dragon Quest 7. Uh, The first is names. We've talked about this a bit on the show before, but the names are mostly different. I'm talking names for characters, towns, enemies, spells, items, just all kinds of stuff. The names are different. So if it weren't already confusing enough to like newcomers and outsiders to keep track of Dragon Warrior slash DQ being the same thing, now you have characters that have two or more names. You have places that have multiple names. It's just, it, it's kind of a mess, honestly. Even side characters like Kiefer's dad have multiple names. He's King Burns in the Dragon Warrior version. He's King Donald on 3DS. And if you re- read or have read the official manga adaptation, he's King Barnes. And that's even written out in English in the manga. So you have King Barnes, King Burns, King Donald. Since this is talking about Dragon Warrior 7, though, I'm going to try to use Dragon Warrior 7 names for everything in this episode. But keep in mind that I've played the 3DS version more. So so just forgive me if I slip up a few times and go back to one of the 3DS names that's used in the games. Another immediate difference in Dragon Warrior 7 is graphics. Despite being released in 2000, Dragon Warrior 7 looks like a much older game. Uh, It's got some 3D, it's even got a little CGI, but it mostly looks like a game from the Super Nintendo era. If you like retro gaming, and I do, then it won't bother you. It didn't bother me. But if you want everything to have nicer animations and look cleaner, then you should definitely go for the 3DS version because it looks a lot prettier. Even in 2000, these graphics were outdated and people criticized the game for it. Uh, That didn't really hurt sales in Japan, though. Dragon Warrior 7 was the best-selling PS1 game in Japan. It even outsold Final Fantasy 7, the Final Fantasy 7, which might seem crazy uh, to Westerners. Squaresoft, it even moved the release of Final Fantasy IX in 2000 because of Dragon Quest VII coming out. The game was such a huge deal that it was credited with boosting and saving Japan's economy that year. 
Yes, really, I promise I'm not even making that up. And just I'm going to link to that so you don't have to take my word for it. So if you want to click into the show notes, check this out for yourself, uh, you can read an IGN post from the year 2000 that details all of this. One of the first real gameplay changes to notice near the beginning is the layout of towns and islands. These change from like minor changes to like drastic changes. Uh, for instance, Estard Island, the village of Fishbell, which is Pilchard Bay on 3DS, looks totally different. Uh, the layout is different. And that was kind of confusing for me when I first started playing Dragon Warrior 7 because I wasn't sure where to go because I was very much used to the layout of Pilchard Bay in Dragon Quest 7. And so whenever it's Fishbell and everything looks a little different and places are, it's just different enough where you're like, you can kind of tell it's the same village, but it's different enough that if you were just expecting to go to all the same places and everything, then you're going to need a little help. Uh, on the other hand, though, the main castle town there in Estard looks pretty similar. There's not a whole lot of changes that I really noticed. I mean, obviously, Dragon Warrior 7's graphics look a lot worse, but just in terms of the layout and everything and design, where the characters were placed in the town, it all looked very, very similar. In terms of characters, Gabo is still probably my favorite, uh, no matter what he's called. Kiefer, who's still Kiefer in this version, is still pretty great. Maribel is also still Maribel, and I think I mentioned it in the last episode, but I actually don't think she's anno as annoying in the PS1 version of the game. Uh, I think maybe it's because I'm used to her by now, but for whatever reason, I did not find her as obnoxious on the PS1 as I did on the 3DS. Melvin and Ara are pretty much the same in either version of the game, even if their names change. The best thing for me about this game is still the job system. Vocations and Dragon Quest games are my favorite. Dragon Quest VII on 3DS has my favorite job system of any video game ever. And the system in Dragon Warrior VII is a little more archaic, uh, but the bones are there. And they're good bones. Them bones, them bones are good bones. Also, you get to see the outfits on 3DS, which I really like. In Dragon Warrior 7, I never got all the way up to Hero, or I haven't yet at least, uh, like I did on 3DS. But I did get to God Hand, which is basically champion in the 3DS version. Dharma Temple, which is like All Trades Abbey. Uh, Dharma Temple, it has some noticeable changes. But if you've played the 3DS version already, uh, then you'll get the hang of it no problem. One thing I do enjoy in Dragon Warrior 7 and miss from Dragon Quest 7 is the CGI cutscenes. The cutscenes don't look great, even by 2000 standards. They look pretty fuzzy, but it's still cool to watch, and I'm sad that uh, some really nice and updated CGI cutscenes weren't added to the 3DS version of the game. If there's one thing that I'm like, man, Dragon Warrior 7 really had this up on Dragon Quest 7, it's those CGI cutscenes. Even if they don't look great, it's still nice. It breaks up the game. And just thinking about the cool CGI that they could have put in to the 3DS version of Dragon Quest VII, it's just like, oh man, I wish that they had put that in. Another big difference you'll notice in Dragon Warrior VII are that the dungeons are somewhat streamlined, especially an entire dungeon at the beginning of Dragon Warrior VII was just cut from the 3DS. That dungeon, it's got some pretty nice puzzles. It's got a handy book that lets you save nearby in case you spend hours in there. Uh, and there's no friendly fairy to guide you here. There's no shortcuts. You have to lug these shards around. Once you start collecting the shards, you have to lug them around 
from room to room, fill them into corresponding places. Um, it's just, it's a lot of extra steps. And it's honestly probably the biggest reason the PS1 version takes much longer than the 3DS. Moving around with those shards instead of just like talking to a fairy and placing them, just it really adds up after a while. Which kind of brings me over to my next point, that between PS1 loading times, the no streamlined dungeons, just these other quality of life improvements in the 3DS version that aren't around in the PS1 version means that it takes longer. I beat Dragon Quest VII for the first time in around 60 hours or a little less on 3DS. And that was with maxing out vocations and doing a good bit of side content, but not much post-game stuff. In Dragon Warrior 7, though, I'm not even at the final boss yet, although I'm close. And I've already hit like the 80-hour mark. So so yeah, the PS1 version takes longer. Um, I mean, I should even mention, I haven't really done anything with Immigrant Town or the Monster Park at all. And I, I experimented with that stuff on the 3DS version. And I haven't at all on the PS1. So the fact that I haven't touched that stuff and I've still already hit the 80-hour mark in Dragon Warrior 7, I mean, yeah, this game is definitely, definitely longer. Another big distraction for me, especially as being someone who didn't grow up playing Dragon Warrior 7 when it was new, it's really a, like this issue I have with other older DQ games, is just the spelling of enemies and spells uh, just the, the what they're called, all of that kind of stuff. Like I much prefer the newer spells, items, and monster names to everything else. Like Bubble Slime being Babel, for instance, things like that. I much prefer Bubble Slime to Babel. Although Warriors of Eden sounds a thousand percent cooler than Fragments of a Forgotten Past, and I will die on that hill. Speaking of hills to die on, there's a lot of death in this game. While the other Dragon Quest games, they have their fair share of death, especially Dragon Quest V and Dragon Quest XI, uh, you know, dealing with family members who have died or who do die along the way. But in Dragon Warrior Seven, Dragon Quest Seven, there's this pervasive sadness that I just, I don't really think exists in most Dragon Quest games. Every Dragon Quest game has a little bit of sadness, but something about... Dragon Quest 7. If there's one like word I could use to describe it other than long, it would probably be sad. Something about Dragon Warrior 7 is just really sad to me. I mean, Kiefer Leafs, uh, there's towns with like human sacrifice. There's town stories about unrequited love and suicide and just all kinds of like heavy stuff that honestly is a real bummer. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, I think it's okay for games to be sad, but I do think that Dragon Quest VII might be the saddest of the bunch. There's just something uh, inherently sad about a lot of the side stories and everything that take place in this game. So we asked on Twitter, from time to time, you know, we like to ask people on Twitter what they think of things. So we asked on Twitter what you guys thought about Dragon Warrior Seven. Quite a few people, I was surprised to see, quite a few people have not played it yet, but have said that they wanted to. I, th I think that's good. I mean, I enjoyed my time with it. Even playing this game from a 2020 perspective, I've enjoyed Dragon Warrior 7 so far. So for all the people listening who said on Twitter that they hadn't played it yet but wanted to, definitely recommend it. it I know it's hard because if you don't own the game already, trying to find a PS1 copy of it that actually works and is in good condition, it it's going to be expensive. But I did want to take the time to read some of the things that people were nice enough to share with us on Twitter. 
Super Mustache Pika said, it was the first Dragon Warrior game I'd played since the NES. Since we never got five and six here in the States, it was a long and slow grind and came on two discs. I have the game still, but sadly the second disc was lost years ago. Oh no, that's so sad. Might try and get a second copy. Emre Sumer said one of the best games in the series, especially Small Adventures in Small Adventures concept is awesome. Also got my most favorite soundtrack in the entire series. And I will agree, the soundtrack to Dragon Warrior 7 is pretty good. Rocket Slime said, love this game despite its flaws, like poor CGI and slow pacing, uh, which I've mentioned already too. But it has a special place in my heart because it's the last of the classic Dragon Warrior games, and I absolutely loved playing it back in 2001. It has such an epic feel, only surpassed by DQ5, in my opinion. Steve Whitcamp said, I really liked it overall and actually don't mind the slow beginning. I'm not particularly fond of the way it swaps out a couple of characters. Yeah, me neither. But at least you get one of them back eventually. It's as flawed as it is ambitious, but I love the scope and dark story vignettes. Uh, So yes, totally agree. And I think that last part uh, is what really stands out to me. It's as flawed as it is ambitious. And I would definitely agree with that. Um, It is probably one of the most ambitious standalone JRPGs I have ever played. Just in terms of standalone, in terms of, you know, yes, it's part of a series, but it has a beginning, middle, and end, and no sequels or anything like that. I think it's it's very ambitious. Um, and and dark story vignettes, like I said, you know, talking about the pervasive sadness, yeah, the, those really stand out to me as well. Brad said, I prefer it. On to the 3DS version, although I like the 3DS localization a thousand times more. The overworld on 3DS feels empty and pointless since they don't put anything interesting in it, and it takes 50% longer to traverse, making that stick out more. Gillian Seed said, great, I beat it in like 110 hours. While it's not as polished as the 3DS remake's translation, it is fun they didn't have to censor edit as much in it. Not many games can attest to being two discs long, and the first disc comprising 60 to 70 hours of playtime alone. Uh, Dead Mortis said, I really want this version. I love this remake. And Dead Mortis, I hope you get this version at some point. I've had a lot of fun with it, and I think you will too. Luke Maxwell said, it's great. Breadth and depth of content is staggering. It's an ugly game from top to bottom, which is which is so true. Even the key art is ugly, but there's a charm to that. The simplicity of the graphics mean that the writing really has to carry the game, like the nods to games like Myst in the opening. And yeah, I would agree. I think... The key art is pretty ugly for Dragon Warrior 7. Like, I like the designs of the characters, but if you look at kind of the more, like, chibi kid look that the main characters have and all, it's just, it doesn't look nearly as pretty as, like, the cast riding the dragon on the cover of Dragon Quest VI, or, like, the hero and his monster pals and some of the characters hanging out together on the cover of Dragon Quest five you don't have you know the the cool promise of adventure and action with the cast members that you get from looking at the cover of like dragon quest three or dragon quest four and so yeah i i agree with that i think dragon warrior seven it is ugly from top to bottom but it's charming nonetheless i like that John R. Walter said, it's still my favorite version, possibly because of the nostalgia factor. It was my first DQ game that wasn't on NES. Uh, Ban said, love it so far. Nice and nostalgic, even though I'm currently playing through it for the first time on PS1. Uh, Alex Frioli said, it's good. Played it at lunch and now rediscovering it while streaming. My only real wish would have been for class changes to be reflected on your characters, a la the 3DS remake. 
And yes, totally agree. I think I brought that up already in this episode. But yeah, I miss seeing all the outfits and everything on people. I'll say said, I love it, but it takes way too long to get started compared to the remake. And yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, I do like the beginning in Dragon Warrior uh, 7 with the with the extra dungeon and puzzles and everything. But I think because the beginning, the beginning for Dragon Quest 7 is so long and drawn out already. And it sa- takes such a long time to really get the ball going that I think it really was the right call cutting that out for Dragon Quest 7 on the 3DS. And maybe that ruffles some feathers. I don't know. But but I, I think overall, I think it was a good call to just kind of expedite the whole story. So thank you guys for everybody who submitted something on Twitter. I tried to take the time to read just as many of them as I possibly could and just really appreciate people taking the time to respond to those. Now getting back over to kind of, I guess, my final thoughts uh, that's what I would call it if it was my other podcast, but final thoughts for Dragon Warrior 7. So I've kind of had a complicated relationship with Dragon Quest 7. <laughs> Anybody who's read my blog or heard me talk about it on the show previously, when I first played it, I kind of hated it. I, I pretty much only finished it because I had made a vow that I would play and beat every single mainline Dragon Quest game in a single year, uh, which is how this podcast got started. And I didn't want to break that vow. So I just, I kept on keeping on. (laughs) Kind of like Joe Dirt says, you got to keep on keeping on. I just kept on keeping on and made myself finish this game. And by the end of it, I liked it pretty well. I thought the ending was a nice, bittersweet ending. And Even back then, I loved the vocation system. Even back then, I was saying, oh man, this has my favorite job system of like any video game ever. But I didn't really like the game. And even by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, man, I don't know that this was worth it. And then, then the pandemic happened. (laughs) And when that first started, I booted up Dragon Quest VII on the 3DS again because of a few reasons. Number one, I was home a lot and it was only it was one of two dragon quest games that i just didn't thoroughly enjoy for the most part even some of the dragon quest games that people don't like like dragon quest 6 which i love dragon quest 2 which i really liked as well even some of the games like that that have have a worse reputation i still enjoyed so with dragon quest 7 it was like one of the two dq games that i didn't really just have a blast with so i thought you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try it again and then Also, it was just the fact that the longer I was away from it, the more I thought maybe that I might have liked it. So I sat around in lockdown playing Dragon Quest VII on 3DS and liked it much, much better uh, that time around. I even wrote a post about it uh, over on DragonQuestAustin.com talking about how I stood corrected, I guess. Dragon Quest VII was a good game. I had been kind of knocking it down there for a while. And rather than just, you know, it's the internet, so you can totally just delete posts if you want to. But rather than doing that, because that was really how I felt at that point in time, I just kind of issued a, I guess, retraction or apology to Dragon Quest Seven because I do think it's really good. At first, I was like, man, this game never again. And then after playing it a second time, uh, I... I really liked it, and I think uh, there were a number of reasons for that, uh, but I think the biggest reason is probably because I knew about its pacing and its backtracking. I still think backtracking is a huge problem with that game. Dragon Warrior 7 has 
way too much unnecessary backtracking. Um, even even the 3DS version, they could have streamlined a lot of that backtracking. And and I get that you know it's even kind of a running joke like it with not again in the three 3DS version of the game. I get that it's you know a running joke, whatever. The makers of Dragon Quest know that there's a lot of backtracking, but still, I do think that's a problem. But I did like it the second time I I played it, and I thought you know what maybe this game doesn't deserve some of the hate that I've hurled at it. And then, then not too long after I'd either beaten the 3DS version or was getting very close to the end of the 3DS version for the second time, uh, Todd over at the Nerdberg Review, he had this idea to do a Dragon Quest play along where we invited people to play the games with us. They were going to talk about it on the Nerdberg Review. And then at some point, Dragon Quest FM would would do deep dive episodes on it. And we decided on Dragon Quest Seven for just a variety of reasons. But that was just one that BJ was playing at the time. Todd hadn't played yet. That I was finishing up on the 3DS. So it just kind of made sense to do that one for the Dragon Quest play along. And then I thought, you know what? I'm already, I've already had a lot of exposure to the Dragon Quest Seven 3DS version. So let's try Dragon Warrior Seven on PS1. And I just figured, hey, I'll do that and and just be a part of this whole thing. Uh, it was actually the second time I've played Dragon Warrior 7, but it was the first time I'd played it in English. Um, I'd gotten a Japanese version of the game because it was like seven bucks and the English version was like 150. And so I bought the Japanese version first, tried it out on my friend. He has a PSX, not like a PS1, but like a PSX, which is like a white fancy ps2 vcr they called it the psx it came out in japan my friend was stationed over there so he had one and it was a huge flop i'm pretty sure he's one of like five people who actually owned one but he still had one uh so anyway dragon warrior 7 you could play japanese games on it because it's all of that stuff is region locked right so i tried it out didn't get very far uh, actually i remember i got to the the beginning dungeon there with all the puzzles and I was already playing the 3DS version for the first time and thinking it was super slow. So whenever it got to that part, I was like, nah, I'm good. Plus it was Japanese. I didn't really know what to do. So this was my first time playing Dragon Warrior 7 in English. And if, I say if because I'm not sure if I can do it, but if I somehow managed to beat Dragon Warrior 7 in 2020, it means I've played and beaten both versions of the game in a single year, which is just insane and I don't know if I'll actually be able to do it though right now I'm just deep into Yakuza 7 and I'm near the end of that game I'm in like chapter like 13 out of 15 and the Fire Emblem 30th anniversary showed up at my door yesterday uh, so I might not be able to make it uh, to Orgodemir or I don't know how to say his name but Orgodemir Orgodemir I don't know, the bad guy, you know, the big bad guy in Dragon Warrior 7. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the final fight in Dragon Warrior 7 by December 31st. I'm pretty close to the end, though. I finished Awakening the Terra and Wind Spirits. Uh, That's what they're called in Dragon Warrior 7, I believe, Terra and Wind. And I'm basically just grinding up levels and classes now. You know, I I have one god hand right now. The hero is god hand, but I don't have... I would like to get them up to hero status. I just I need to master another intermediate uh, vocation in order to do that. But overall, I have enjoyed the time I've spent with Dragon Warrior 7, um, and I'm glad that I gave it a shot. I'm glad I went back and played it. I'm glad 
that I just gave Dragon Quest Seven in general another shot because uh, I actually have enjoyed it just, uh, I mean, a lot since then. So thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I know it's going to be a little short since I'm the only one here and talking, but BJ, he will hopefully be back next week and we're going to continue our deep dive discussions into Dragon Quest Seven. Remember, if you want to talk to us directly on Twitter, you can do that. We are at DragonQuestFM. We are on Facebook.com slash DragonQuestFM. And you can also find us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. We actually have a new patron this week, but since BJ handles the real nice thank yous, I'm waiting on BJ to come back to thank our newest patron just because I just don't do as good of a job thanking people as BJ does. But thank you to our newest patron, all of our patrons. We appreciate all of you guys a whole, whole lot. Remember, if you want to talk to BJ directly, you can find him on Twitter at Professor Beej, and you can listen to his other podcast, the geek to geek podcast. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, you totally can. I'm on Twitter at Dragon Quaston. I also have another podcast called JRPGs and Me. The newest episode, which went up last week, is covering Breath of Fire 2. So you can totally check that out. I also have a regular Dragon Quest blog. That is at dragonquestaustin.com. So I hope you'll check that out and read some posts, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.